Hello, and welcome to the Bitcoin Butlers podcast. I am Mike Watkins, and with me, as always, is my good friend and business partner, Matt Burke. Hello. And in this episode, we are going to conclude the best practices for owning Bitcoin. So in prior episodes, we talked about number one, buying your Bitcoin from a reputable exchange to make sure that you are exchanging your fiat money for actual Bitcoin. Number two, storing your Bitcoin securely, preferably in a multi-sig wallet. Number three, creating a strong inheritance plan so that if something were to happen to you, your heirs would be able to get to it. Number four, running your own full node with a watch-only wallet to ensure and to verify that the balance that you see in your multi-sig wallet actually matches what the Bitcoin network says you have. And number five, which we will be going through tonight, is to review and maintain your plan at least annually. So, Matt, my first question to you is, why, why do you need to review your plan at least annually? If you put all these good things in place when you get started, and your Bitcoin is stored securely, and you've got a good inheritance plan, and you've got your watch-only wallet, why, why do you have to go back to it at least annually? Well... The main reason is that life is not static. Things change all the time. Um, and things can be major or minor changes that could affect you financially or could affect your family dynamic or um, the assets that you're holding, whatever those things are. Um, the fact is that chances are a year after you put your plan in place, something's going to be different than when you put it in place. And so from that standpoint, it, uh, it, it does the main thing, which is just keeping everything up to date. And then the other thing is that some of these practices that we're recommending require um, third parties or require uh, you to make sure that certain things are intact or working properly. Uh, so it's really just a matter of that maintenance to make sure that the things that you put in place didn't change without your knowledge. Yeah, I would agree. And I would say that, you know, I think a lot of things in life require annual maintenance or semi-annual maintenance. We just don't really think about it. So the first one that pops into my head right now is maybe you have a storage unit somewhere. And you're putting things in storage that you're not really planning on getting to that often, but maybe it's a good idea to go buy your storage unit every six months, every year to make sure it hasn't flooded, it hasn't been infested with rats, there's not a water problem, or something else that may, may need to be addressed. And I think that that probably applies to many other things in life that you just can't set it and forget it. You still have to go back and make sure, peek in every once in a while and make sure that everything is okay. Well, yeah, and I think another uh, very common thing is that technology changes. So, you know, you talk about people who, you know, say you have somebody who's 65 years old and they put their estate plan and their will in place 20 years ago and they were 45 years old, they had two kids, you know, and nothing changed since then in their family. Well, I can tell you this, that since 20 years ago, things like, smartphones and online bank accounts and online brokerage accounts, those didn't exist 20 years ago. Um, so just to account for things that might have happened uh, 
whether or not they had anything to do with your specific plan, that's another you know prudent thing to do is to make sure that the plan that you have in place kind of is appropriate based on what current technology allows you to do. So with that, let's get into some of these specific different reasons why you may need to change it. So I'm going to start off with just talking about something that is constantly changing, which is family dynamics. And mm -hmm. family dynamics are always changing because people are always aging each and every year. So for instance, you may have a, a child that is, I'll say, start with a child that's 10 years old. A child that's 10 years old is, gonna, is, is really not much of an adult. But two, three years later, your 12 or 13-year-old can tackle much more serious issues. You also may have children that go from being 17 one year to 18 the next year, or 21 year to 21 the next year. You may have children that go from being single to being married. You may become a grandparent. Life, mm -hmm. like, life, as you said, is constantly evolving. Right. So, you know, and the life events that you would um, have over the course of a year that would cause you to maybe not only change your will, but, you know, even things like your health insurance, or if you think of it kind of in terms of, you know, what would cause you to have to make a change to something that involves your family. And really it comes down to, you know, birth, deaths, marriages, divorces, um, and any other major change in your life that, you know, would warrant looking at everything that you have in place. Mm -hmm. If, you know, somebody who, um, is in your household, uh, has an accident over the course of the year and maybe their capacity is limited physically or mentally because of that accident. You know, there's something that you had somebody that was very reliable and very capable a year ago. And unfortunately things happen where maybe that's not the case anymore. So you need to address it in your plan. I think uh, family dynamics also can change like who's getting along and who's not getting along. Uh, who, sure. who has developed maybe a gambling problem, who has developed a substance abuse problem. Uh, and you could also go the other way. Um, you know, who, who's finally sober after 10 years. Or, you know, even more, you know, in the good news department, maybe you had somebody that's now, uh, that was your dependent that maybe they graduated college and got a job and now they have their own income and, you know, the considerations of what they might need if something were to happen to you change. So again, it can be anything that would affect the dynamics within your household that, uh, that might require you to say, okay, do I need to make a change here to, to my plan? And, you know, we talk about our, our Bitcoin ownership plans, but I think also that applies specifically to, you know, best practice number three, your inheritance plan, um, and your inheritance plan can can be Bitcoin based or not. Um, and, and so I think most of these situations require a change uh, to both your Bitcoin holding plan as well as maybe your overall inheritance plan. Agreed. And another reason you may have to update your plan or make changes is if you have acquired or sold off some of your assets. That's right. And, and I think, um, you know, we've talked about you want to you want to keep a list of your assets uh in a secure place so that if something were to happen to you folks know where to look to find different 
things, but, um, but that's a consideration too. If, you know, if, if you had something on your, in your portfolio last year that you sold over the course of the year, then you don't want to waste your family's time with them looking for something that's no longer there. So that's an instance where you would want to just make sure you've updated your assets and accounted for anything that you've acquired or disposed of during the time. Yeah, I think that's really critical is to make sure that your asset lists are updated. And you also may have to make changes to your storage. If you've, let's just say you, I'm going to use numbers just for example purposes. Let's say you decided to, let's say you have a net worth of $5 million. And you first get into Bitcoin, you're kind of interested in it. And maybe you put 100000 of your net worth into Bitcoin just to kind of get your feet wet a bit and then test it out. And then over time you become more and more of a believer. You want to increase your holdings in there. And so maybe you're going to go from, let's say a hundred thousand to a million dollars worth of Bitcoin. Well, depending on what storage method you use for a hundred thousand dollars, you may want to change that if you have a million dollars in storage. That's right. Or you might want to, uh, set some of that up in a different account just to have, you know, some some diversification of, of physical location of where those keys are being held and who can access mm-hmm. them. So there's all kinds of considerations there. Or, you know, maybe uh, it could be something to the effect of now I've got, you know, I, I have an IRA now that I want to use self-directed funds to invest in Bitcoin. Maybe I didn't have that last year. That can be a very specific and potentially complex type of setup, depending on how you do it. So, uh, you know, anything where you're acquiring or doing anything that's, you know, substantially different than the way you did it last year should be taken into account here. Mm. And I think those first two that we talked about, those are really changes to you. You know, is there a change in your family dynamics, et cetera? Uh, and the other one is, is there a change in your personal holdings? But the other one that I think is important to mention on there is when there's a change to other people and specifically your trusted people. So, well, in- and before we get into trusted people, let's just let's stop real quick there that there's other professionals within your life that you also need to keep, you know, on a list for your family as part of your plan. And, you know, if you have a new CPA, if you have a new attorney, if you have a new financial advisor, if you switch Mm -hmm. banks, any of that kind of thing, um, you want to just make sure that you're taking that into account. Certainly you're making, you know, for, for we're, we're getting into some of the stuff from the inheritance plan, but this will be part of your letter to your heirs and your inheritance plan that you want to make sure that what you send out to your heirs each year is updated and it has your, uh, your most recent contacts for those important accounts. That's right. So moving on from that, we're going to talk about another part that is part of the inheritance plan which is your trusted people. So Mm -hmm. I don't think we got into this much in any of the prior episodes. We may have done it a bit in inheritance planning, but for in order to implement this strong sovereign inheritance plan, you need to have trusted people. And these are people you can truly trust. It's best if you can have two, possibly even three. Some people may have zero in their life and that can be addressed in a different way. But with these trusted people, Part of the plan is to give them tamper-evident bags, sealed tamper-evident bags with unique Mm -hmm. serial numbers. Mm -hmm. 
And so depending on what interval you decide to set for yourself and depending on how that relationship goes with that trusted person, you may want to either extend the time or shorten the time that you go check in with it. But for the sake of this discussion, let's just say it's about a year. And so every year you want to go and make sure that your trusted person has not opened your bag. Well, here, let me throw one of these bags up on the screen here. Um, mm, great. In, in case uh, anyone is wondering what it looks like. And, um, you know, this is a bag that the the top of it, and you can't tell from the picture, but, you know, if, once you seal that, you can't open it without it being completely obvious that it's been opened or messed with. There's no way to sneak into it without destroying that top red part on the top. And then you'll notice also, um, you know, about halfway down on the left, there's a barcode and that's got a number on it. So there's a serial number attached to it as well that, um, you know, that will identify the bag as the one that you gave to your trusted person the last time. That was very helpful. Thank you. And, uh, so with that, you want to be going to your trusted people and saying, okay, it's time for me to switch the bag out. And it's also great to tell the trusted people when you get started, I'm coming back. You're going to hold this for me for about a year. A year from now, I'm going to come and I'm going to swap out the bag for one with a different serial number. And, and when you do that, uh, I think it's a good time to check in with your trusted people and to evaluate, you know, how trustworthy you still think they are. Are you still comfortable with that? You may be more comfortable after checking in. You may feel be less comfortable. I, I'm a big believer in trusting your gut. And if you go and you're swapping out your, uh, your uh, tamper evident bag with your trusted person and you get any kind of strange feeling or just something doesn't sit right with you. I, I would suggest to everyone to listen to that and to consider making a change. And there are some things that you can do uh, if you do need to change that trusted person. Well, and let's go into that from a, from the standpoint of your trusted person is perfectly trustworthy. Let's just say that mm -hmm. it's an out of town sibling. You got a brother who lives in Seattle and you've decided that they're your, your trusted person, even though you live in Atlanta. Um, and so, um, you know, number one, that geography plays a part. You've got some separation and um, you pose this question. I thought it's a great question. What happens if that sibling comes to stay with you? And you also know that they have a lot of information that could be used to get access to various um, things that you don't want them to have access to. So what do you do? Well, there are, there are a number of easy ways to address that. The simplest way to do that is to change a couple passwords while they're staying at your house and it'll block anything from happening. It, it, it's difficult to change the combination to your safe for your house, but uh, people generally do not want to get caught doing something that they're not <laughs> supposed to do. It's one thing to do something you're not supposed to do if you think you can get away with it. And it's another thing to do something you're not supposed to do if there's no way you will get away with it. And if you'll end up with very little reward for that exercise. And that's what we have set up with, with the inheritance plan is that it's not that the trusted person can't ever do something. It's that even they, it's not that the trusted person can't ever do something they should not be doing, but if they do, 
there are some other protections in place that will notify you that something is not quite right. And that's also a good time to make a change. And I think that kind of plays in perfectly here because, you know, if there will always be someone that wants to try something for whatever reason, let's just say I'm going to use, uh, I'm going to say you have a sibling that lives in Seattle. Let's say uh, your sister lives in Seattle and her husband one night gets this idea that, you know, he, he wants to see what's in this, uh, this bag that you, that, that, uh, your sister is holding for you. And he decides to get in there and he's, he doesn't really like you very much. Right. It's not an uncommon situation. And, and, you know, he knows that you've got some assets that he'd like to get his hands on and goes in there. And I don't want to get into the details of it, but, but the way things are set up, you would get a notification that something is going on before they could get for that person could get to any of your assets. And if that does happen at any point during the year, then you do have to make not necessarily an adjustment when you review it, but an immediate adjustment to your plan. Sure. If there are um, circumstances that arise over the course of the year that would warrant, you know, questioning that trusted person, or if, like you said, somebody other than that trusted person breached, you know, the safe and, and decided to try to do something with the information there, um, it shouldn't be a surprise when that happens, meaning of course it's a surprise if someone betrays you, but, but the surprise is that you're going to get a notification in the form of an email or, you know, I get these messages all the time. I, you know, uh, you get a security email, a, a login was attempted and it was like, oh yeah, well, I signed into Amazon for my iPad, you know, of course mm -hmm. I meant for that to happen, but every once in a while you get one and it's like, you know, no, I didn't do that. And you ask the other person in your house, Hey, did you sign into the you know iPad? No. Well then now you got to figure out what happened. So, you know, you need to listen to these signals, like you said, and just kind of be in tune to the fact that um, if something happens, you're going to need to know about it ASAP. Mm -hmm. And then I think moving on from the trusted people is to do a health check for your hardware devices and seed words, if applicable. And I know this is a one of your stronger areas for sure. Yeah. So as far as the the device maintenance, um, we we talked about this when we talked about multisig, which is that you know some of the multisig providers, Unchained in particular, um, will force you to do a health check periodically. And by a health check, that involves taking a hardware device that you have. Um, you know, most commonly it's going to be a treasure or a ledger device that you would plug in to your computer, just like you normally would. And then you go through a process where uh, your multi-sig wallet can connect to that device. It can validate that the private key is the correct one and you're done. It, you know, it, the process start to finish from the time you you plug that device into your computer um, really shouldn't take more than five minutes tops, realistically less. And it's a great feeling when it's successful. It really does make you feel better. It's, it's kind of like if there was a pill that made you feel like that, uh, people would like that pill a whole lot. Yes, that is a, um, it is a 
definite feeling of relief when you see that, uh, that health check mark come, come across, uh, that everything worked properly. Um, and then that also goes for any seed words that you've had backed up. Um, you want to make sure that those are still creating the right wallet, um, the right key to be able to use that device. Um, and there are some other things that, you know, are a little more detailed and technical in terms of checking your hardware keys, but it's, it's a process that is very easily, uh, accomplished by anybody who, who can plug in something to a USB port. And how long would you say it takes to do a full review of your plan? It, it depends on a couple of things and the most important, the most, you know, impactful factor is where the people are located. Um, and in some cases you might not be able to do it in person. Maybe it's, you know, you check in over a zoom call and they hold their tamper proof evident bag up to the mm -hmm. camera. You take a look at it, you check the serial number and you know, it's not going to be much worse than doing that in person. Um, if you need to, uh, to check hardware keys that are located in a different location, uh, that could take a little bit longer as well. But in general, I think from start to finish, assuming that there's no major changes that require, you know, a rewriting of your will or a complete, you know, uh, juggling of your trusted people, I would think, you know, it's a few hours worth of work every year maybe three to four hours at the most. Yeah, I would say three to four hours at the most with, with a target being closer to between one to two hours per year. But I think you could also apply this to, and I think people should be doing this just with their, their estate planning in general, even assuming they own no Bitcoin, no digital assets, nothing like that. Uh, I'm amazed by how many people's wills are outdated. Mm -hmm. And this, this has nothing to do with Bitcoin or any digital assets. It's just, you know, people make a will and then they have two kids. They don't really think about it. And their will doesn't have them on there. Well, so, yeah, I was talking to I was talking to a friend of mine um, last week that um, and I was kind of, you know, talking through some of these inheritance planning things. And he's like, he's like, I'm embarrassed to say it, but uh I need to update my will because we never updated after our third kid was born. Um, turns out the third kid's like 15 now. So, wow. you know, it's uh, it's the type of thing where there was no intention to leave him to leave the third kid out of the will. But uh, but sometimes life just goes on and you don't do these things. They're easy to procrastinate. Um, we've talked about this. It's not the most. Uh, it's not the most fun topic to address just because it takes a, you know, a tedious level of effort and, and it's a morbid topic. So people just tend to avoid it if they can. For sure. So can you think of any other reason why people would need to review their plan each year? I mean, I think we've covered the majority of it, you know, other things that just come to mind off the top of my head, you know, if, if your trust, if any of your trusted people move, um, I would say that's a good, good reason to check in, make sure that everything, you know, is set up in the new house, like it was in the old house. Um, I would say that, um, any, um, any major financial changes, uh, 
for better or worse, probably warrant a, a look at, at everything to make sure it's up to date. Um, you know, one example I could think of is let's just say that, you know, that you have a falling out with a business partner or something along those lines where maybe it's not front and center in your family every day. But, you know, if things um, result in conflict in your life and you feel like there could be any, um, you know, malicious intent headed your way that wasn't there before, then, you know, it's again, not pleasant to think about, but um, that's something where you want to make sure kind of everything is, is locked down to the point where if you have any reason to believe that your, you know, threat level is, is increased for any reason, then you probably want to review it, make sure it's still, you know, more or less uh, impervious to, to that type of attack and, and make sure that it's up to date. But we are, we are looking for, we, you know, it might be a bit morbid. It might not be, uh, I'm going to use for lack of a better way of putting it, like a happy thoughts. But really, this is about looking for weaknesses. And I think people would benefit if they did this in real time instead of just doing it annually. So maybe you have a falling out with someone or there, there's some issue, something just could cause a problem later. People don't really think about it. They just kind of move on. They, they kind of will vent their frustrations to people around them, but they're, they're not really going to make any significant changes. And I think with this, the with having it being an annual review, it's kind of a marker or a prompt to force yourself to address some of those issues if you're not addressing it in real time and make sure that there's nothing out there um, uh, that, make sure there's nothing out there that may create situations that you do not want later. Mm -hmm. And one other thing that, that I think is important is to make sure that everything you're doing, and, and you kind of touched on this earlier, but to make sure that what you're doing is appropriate given, you know, what that Bitcoin in your, that you're holding represents in terms of your overall, uh, wealth and and where i'm going to differ a little than what you said is if you know let's just say the value of bitcoin um were to really go up over the course of a year um you know if you own bitcoin in 2019 versus 2021 you could be in a very different financial position to the point where it could have been something that maybe wasn't front and center in your mind um because it didn't represent you know, that big of a percentage of what you were doing and then things change. And now all of a sudden, you know, you're overweighted in, in Bitcoin just because the value of it has gone up. Um, you might want to take a different approach to how you're storing it or, you know, making it so that other people can get to it if you die. Yeah, I think that's really thoughtful is that is the point that, you know, we talked earlier that, you know, someone with a net worth of five million dollars may put one hundred thousand into Bitcoin initially but there's nothing stopping that 100,000 from going to a million in a couple of years. Yeah, and I think we, we've said this, and I know other people in the industry have said it, that you know, it's, a, it's a good rule of thumb to assume that whatever you have today is going to be worth 10 times that at some point down the road. Whether it will or won't, we have no idea. But if you plan around that, then you're much less likely to be you know, caught behind the eight ball if things get to that point. Mm -hmm. Well... 
With that, Bitcoin butlers can help you with all five of the best practices. We can help you find the right place to buy it from, and we actually do not charge a fee for that. We can certainly help you uh, determine what storage is best for you and help you move your Bitcoin from wherever you have it to secure storage, which seems to be very popular right now with some of the uh, macro events that are going on. We've certainly had a, quite a few requests for that, more than I would have thought. We um, have. We can also help you. I think our specialty in many ways is the uh, sovereign inheritance plan that we have designed. We can build you a node and help you get set up with a watch-only wallet. And of course, we offer this maintenance service annually that you can check in with us and we're going to go through a certain... Uh, give you certain questions and certain decision-making matrix to make sure that you are maintaining it annually. That's right. We can, we can kind of guide you through that process and, and provide you with kind of a checklist to make sure that you're doing everything you need to do as far as maintenance. And so with that, Matt, can you tell people where to find us, please? Yeah. So you can find us um, on our website, btcbutlers.com, uh, Twitter at btcbutlers. You can DM us on Twitter. You can email us info at btcbutlers.com. Um, you can find our podcasts on YouTube and anywhere that podcasts are available. Uh, if you listen to this and enjoy it, please subscribe. Um, and we'll continue to, uh, to put some information out there that will hopefully help you uh, be a better Bitcoin owner. And one last thing, we do have our best, our free best practices guide on our website that's available for download. And we also have mm -hmm. a free version of our sovereign inheritance guide on our website that people can download. So there is quite that's a right. bit of material there that we think and hope will help people just like you and I both benefited from the people that were here before us and the materials that they put out. Yeah. And if you have any questions, please reach out, email us, DM us. We look forward to hearing from you. Absolutely. Well, Matt, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Have a good one. You too. Bye.